Good morning. How's everybody doing? Because I know, baby, it's cold outside. Is it still cold? It never, it never quits, does it? But it's supposed to quit today. Is that true? Did you look at Weather Channel? I think 28 or something. Man, that's going to be warm. We can go swimming. It'd be awesome. Hey, glad you're here. Um, I want to run through just a couple things um, as we start this you know, brand new year of 2018 that I, I feel like could be kind of really great maybe tools in your toolbox. Uh, the first, um, I know like when we make our New Year's resolutions and so forth, one of the things that is at least in our mind is part of in our spiritual journey that we'd like to see that become even more rich. Uh, and there's a program that's been going on around the world for years. It's really powerful. And we have it here at Kensington too. It's called Alpha. Um, and I'm just going to play a quick video for you so you can kind of get a taste of what this is. And then we'll just comment on it. Okay. So take a peek at this as an opportunity uh, for some of us to jump into this year. Life is busy. Every day we ask questions like, what's happening today? What should I wear? How am I going to fit everything in? But then there are bigger questions like, why am I here? What's my purpose? Where am I heading? Is there more to life than this? These are some of life's big questions, but there's rarely enough time to think them through. That's why Alpha exists. Alpha is a place to explore life's big questions in a safe and open environment. It's a series of sessions where anyone can share their thoughts and opinions and ask questions without feeling judged. When you come to an Alpha, you'll notice that first, there's food. Whether it's a full meal or a light snack, this is the time to get to know each other in a casual setting. Next, you'll watch an Alpha talk. The talks are created to engage and spark conversation. They explore big issues around faith from a Christian perspective. After the talk is a time for discussion. This is the most essential part of any Alpha. It allows everyone to share their own opinions on the ideas presented in the talks. It's a time for people with different thoughts, beliefs, and experiences to ask honest questions and have open conversation. Every week, there are guests coming for the first time to an Alpha in their community. Alpha is for everyone, regardless of background or beliefs. There's no pressure, no follow-up, and it's completely free to attend. Come and explore life's big questions. Find an Alpha near you today. I, I'll tell you, this is an amazing thing because I, I don't know if you've experienced this, but in our culture, um, the spiritual conversation kind of thing can be kind of hostile environment. Uh, so to have a place where you can actually do that and ask all the tough questions and do it where you're, there's no judgment and just food and, and friendship and so forth is a really great opportunity. If you're interested at all, uh, go online, kensingtonchurch.org slash alpha, or stop at our starting point table in the lobby and some people can even dive into it with a little bit more. We have our own group that's going to be happening here, led by Eric Jones, who's a tremendous guy. Um, so I'm looking forward to having some of you jump in on that. So that's kind of like on the smaller kind of personal level. Um, the next thing I want to talk about is, a, is something we've been doing for years now at Kensington for our whole movement, which is eight campuses, okay? And it's called Leadership Gathering. 
And it's going to be happening at our Troy campus uh, on July 19th and 20th. So again, we have a little trailer so you can get a taste of it if you haven't been before, and then we'll talk about that a bit. Lead. You can't lead if you're not hearing the voice of God. Together, there is nothing that we can't do. I really believe that God has given us a sacred trust. God wants to do the work in you first, and he wants you to respond so that we can go out and force together from this place. Good. Isn't this great? This is awesome. So, yeah. So I want to tell you, if you just want a little fuel to kind of get you started for this year, this is a great thing to go to. It's going to be over a thousand people there. Uh, Here's the thing I don't want you to miss. It says a leadership gathering. Don't um, count yourself out on this if you think, you're. I'm not on staff or I don't lead some big ministry at Kensington. Everybody has influence and we believe leadership is influence. And I would like to invite any one of you to join us for this. Um, It's going to be a fantastic opportunity, like I said, to just kind of put some fuel into your life, but also for you to kind of experience the reality of the movement that you're a part of as part of Kensington. There's nothing like getting with a bunch of people from all the campuses in one place and kind of catching vision together. So sign up for that. It's free. You can go online, kensingtonchurch.org slash lead, okay? The next thing I want to talk to you briefly about, but so excited about, is an opportunity for your kids from kindergarten through fifth grade. And I'm talking about our Exploring the Arts program called Kaleo Kids. Uh, Kaleo, the word Kaleo, literally means to gather together. And what we've been able to do is experience something really wonderful here at Clarkston is we're partnering with Owen Elementary School in Pontiac. So we have about half of the kids from Pontiac, half of the kids from here in Clarkston, and we get together. They do these amazing programs. Don't miss out on this. Laura Fonseca is leading that program. She's going to be at a table in the lobby uh, because signups are happening now. It begins on the 22nd of this month, Monday the 22nd. So take advantage of that. Cleo Kids. Um, Let me think. One last thing I want to mention. Um, Jeremiah will talk to you more about this. But just like the Alpha situation is an opportunity to kind of step out of the bigness of the world or the bigness of this church in the rows, we always say that life change and growth happens better in circles than it does in a row, right? Uh, I just want you to really be considering, even today, if you've not been or not had the chance of being in a small group of people. Um, that meets kind of regularly to take advantage of that. So kind of keep your ears and mind open to that. And then lastly, uh, today we're here to start a new series, and it's called Crave. And it's an important series. We've done it a few times over the history of Kensington because it's dealing with the habits, the hurts, and the hang-ups of things that have really crippled us in our life. Addictions are part of those. Um, Lots of different things that can really hang us up. And uh, Jeremiah is going to be starting and teaching on that today. 
The one thing I want to let you know about as parents of younger kids, we've put a PG-11 on this service, and here's why. Near the very end of the message, we're going to show you a video, and it's a beautiful story of a lady's journey. Um, But it's going to have some pretty mature content in it, and we just want you as parents to be aware of that. Uh, If we get to that point and you have a young child that you would think this might be inappropriate, just might want to step out and then come back in. Does that sound good? Uh, If you're new to this place, uh, one of the things that we value most highly is being real. Uh, telling the story honestly. And so to do that, sometimes you kind of have to really get into it, okay? So we just want to make, make you aware of that. So glad you're here. Really, really excited. Would you uh, go ahead and just stand up with us and maybe say hi to somebody in your row and, and then we'll continue. And I crave 
help. I know. So good. That, by the way, is a Kensington original. Uh, it was produced, in fact, um, it's kind of interesting. Sisters Jordan and her sister in the back, Lindy and her husband were the one that actually wrote and produced that, and it's available on our Kensington website, and it's also available, uh, if you don't have it, get it, on the Kensington app. Um, so pretty, pretty incredible, kind of the talent that God has gifted and given us around this place. And when I listened to those lyrics and I heard it, it says, I crave your approval. I crave for survival. I crave your approval. I'm fighting for your love. I'm fighting to be loved. I'm striving for your love. I'm striving to be loved. I'm dying for your love. I'm dying to be loved. That song spoke so deeply to what we're about to talk about today, this desire for approval. And when we talk about in the series, Crave, we're talking about today approval. Next week, the bottle, right? The addictions that come through alcohol and maybe other substances. Week three is my body. And week four is digital devices, which is a big one. We're not even sure how that's really affected our culture. Excuse me, I gotta check my phone real quick. I'm just kidding, right? I mean, it's about how bad it gets though at times. So, but as we press into this, I just wanna pray to open us up. Uh, because I'm really convinced of this, that many of us have walked through here and maybe we're dealing with this and we don't even realize it. And some of us are very aware, it's in the forefront of our minds and hearts, this search for affirmation, for accolades. And the truth is, we're, we're stretched thin and we're striving to fit in and to be approved and we're doing all this. And the source of what we really need is a little bit deeper and probably in a different place. So God... We ask you today that you would meet us as we sit here and we crave really for approval. But God, I feel, I know for me and maybe many others, we've been craving and striving for it from the wrong places. So uh, God, just encourage our hearts, open our hearts today for the fact of what you have for us in your name. Amen. Uh, it's interesting. I had a buddy of mine that was super into uh, just competitiveness. He craved everything he craved. It was competition. It's what he craved more than anything. And uh, one uh, high school, uh, day after a basketball game, we were seniors in high school and we had a big game Friday night. We got, we all went back to my house and, uh, my mom, we used to let everybody come over. So we'd go there. My friend Ernie Brown was the one that was like really crazy into just like competition. And, uh, so you're like, hey, let's have a pizza eating competition. Like everything was competitive. Have you ever known anybody where everything's a competition? Nothing's calm. Look at the ones that didn't raise their hands. You're the competitive ones, right? Uh, and everything was just competitive. And so like, fine. And so we start eating, who can eat a piece of pizza this quick? Who can eat, you know, this is fast and went on and on. And finally, 
came down to like him and Scott. And so he's like, well, let's put ranch all over the pizza and see if you can eat three pizza, you know, three slices and two minutes with loaded ranch. And so they do that. But nobody knew he did this, but he snuck and got kaopectate, which looks white and creamy like ranch, put it all over Scott's pizza. I know. A good friend, right? And him and Scott are just going for it. And I can tell Scott's like, oh, and none of us knew this happened. And finally, Scott's still kind of beating him. Ernie stopped and he goes, hey, he couldn't stand to lose. He goes, just so you know, that's not ranch, that's kaopectate all over your pizza. And Scott jumped up and we're at my mom's house and ran over and there's a sink full of hot dishes and he threw up all that pizza. I know it's so gross, man, right into the sink full of dishes. And like Ernie's laughing and we're like, we're just like, his craving for competition went too far. And we're like, so gross. And we're like, dude, you got dish duty. Because that was like so nasty. And I, I don't know about you, but for many of us, maybe your cravings haven't taken you that far, but maybe not in that situation, but in different ones to have. We've all craved for food, for stuff, for accolades, you know, the right, you know, the desire, the right to be right all the time. And these cravings can get out of control. In fact, the apostle Paul says this, St. Paul says something really interesting about our cravings. I want to show you uh, right here in Romans. And so he says, I want to do what is right, but I can't. He says, I want to do what is good, but I don't. I don't want to do what is wrong, what to say, but I do it anyway. He's saying there's this battle in our hearts and our souls as human beings where we crave something that's pulling us away from what we really desire or really know we should do or want to do. And And our cravings pull us over here. And today as we talk about approval... Uh, we're saying this. We got this idea from Andy Stanley, uh, and he said this statement. It says, our cravings will either rule us or we will rule them. And he goes a little bit further, and we kind of made it our big idea today, um, is this, is the next statement right here. It says, how we handle our cravings will determine the direction and quality of our life. And I want to get really specific today. It says, how we handle our craving for approval will determine the direction and quality of of our life. How we handle our craving for approval will determine the direction and quality of our life, of your life. We all desire, we do, we crave approval. Now, my, my, my younger uh, son, Noah, he's our middle kid. He, he's really, he's eight and he like wants approval, but not always in some things he doesn't pay attention to. And he really is into like, he has this little leather coat that I think we got from Salvation Army and it barely fits. And uh, he loves it. And he wants for his birthday, another leather coat with matching leather pants. <laughs> we're like, what? And we're like, you look like Fonzie. And he's like, who? You know, and then we're talking about, and, and we're like, leather pants and a leather coat. Are you sure? You know, and he's like, yeah. And we're like, that's not cool. But he doesn't care. He doesn't care about anyone's approval. Do you guys remember the episode from Friends when Ross had those really great leather pants? Right? And he was on this date and he really wanted to impress this girl. He wanted her approval. Remember? And he's in the bathroom and he, he can't get the pants up. But he's on the phone panicking. What do I do? And they're like, use lotion. He puts lotion all over his legs. And he goes, the lotion's not working. And Joey's like, do powder. And he puts the powder together. And he's like, it's not working. The, the lotion and the powder have made a paste. And he's like panicking. And all out of desperation, the dumb stuff he did, we probably have done for approval. It's crazy. And I was thinking that we do this still today. We want approval. I, I, when I was in high school, I wanted to fit in. So my buddies and I, one of the music stars had like kind of a, like a, a gash in his eyebrow where they cut it in. And so I tried doing that and I shaved off of pretty much half of my eyebrow. <laughs> I look like a failed vanilla ice stand in, you know, 
but we ask this. I mean, uh, Marina will do this. Maria will ask me sometimes, does, does this shirt look good to me? Yeah, it does, babe. Does, is this great? You know what I mean? Or uh, do you want to go hang out with my parents? You know, the answer to all those is yes, by the way. Um, or I, I've done that too, where I have like a shirt or pants and I'm like, man, this looks good. You know, I, I used to wear like a 32, 34 waist, but now I'm more like 38, 42. And I, I've had pants. I'm like, these look good. And Maria's like, uh, not so much, kind of tight, you know? And we're always just striving for approval, but maybe this approval for you, it's, it's gone further, right? It's, it's the boss that you've got to approve. How many have a boss that, that you've got to get their approval from and it's like kind of drives you nuts, right? Or, or maybe for some of you, it's, it's your spouse. You want their approval and you need that approval, but it's like, doesn't, you know, quite work out like you think. And, and we're all finding ourselves in this thing where we're craving for these approvals. And it's interesting. We, we struggle with this so bad. Because for some of us, it can really lead us down a dark place. It can bring us to a place of tension that feels unbearable. Desiring this approval. Statistics say this. That in fact, in a room even like this, almost 100% of us, listen, 100% of us struggle with desiring some kind of affirmation or some kind of approval in this world. Whether it comes from work, from home, from society, from your friend group. And that within that group that some of us struggle pretty bad in fact, 40 to 60%, that's staggering when you think about it. 60% of people almost struggle to the point where it changes their ability to make the decisions they wanted to. Say you want to do this, but you choose this. So you make sure that you're like in line with appeasing somebody or pleasing someone or, or getting their approval. And we become almost approval addicts in the process. And in fact, to really speak into this, we just want you to know this isn't an idea we have or a thought we have. We believe it's really grounded in Scripture and that we've asked our resident expert to speak on it just for a moment on video. Uh, his name's Jack Wilson. He used to be the Associate Vice President of Oakland University. He's an adjunct professor with Michigan State in the Department of Health and Sciences and at Oakland University. Uh, he's also a sports psychologist. Uh, he owns his own company where he does like behavioral management for big organizations uh, from a psychological aspect. He's even uh, been a caddy to study like pro golfers on the PGA Tour, uh, you know, to feed into the sports psychology business he has. And it's like, I, I'm reading his resume. I'm like, come on, do something with your life, man. You know, <laughs> like associate vice president of Oakland University, whatever, you know, this guy's unbelievable. He really is. And so he's going to speak briefly for a few moments into this thing that we struggle with. And again, for many of us, I think some of us struggle. It's overt. We know we do. For others, you might not have realized how bad you are struggling with this. So, so watch and listen intently as Jack speaks. So Jack, we're talking about cravings, uh, addictions in this series. How would you define that? I know you deal with this kind of stuff all the time in your own life. Sure. But obviously counseling people, how would you describe, define a craving that a person can't say no to? Well, a craving is both psychological and physiological. You know? And when we, uh, when we get, whether it's craving for chocolate or craving for alcohol or craving for a controlled substance, we actually have kind of a physiological change you know, in, in the whole mind-body system. Uh, and thinking about that, you know, visualizing it. You know, you've heard me say that 24 hours a day, we're constantly talking to ourselves, both in words and in pictures. And when we have cravings, those show up as pictures in our brain. And a picture is worth what? A thousand words, right? You know, so when we picture the, you know, the object of our, of our desire or, or at some point perhaps the object of our addiction, uh, then it basically overpowers the whole system 
uh, and makes us think about it like in a compulsive. You can almost use compulsive and craving sort of as synonyms. Now, how do I know or how does a person know when a craving is good and when it gets dangerous? Uh, whenever uh, a craving interferes with our ability to leave a normal, healthy, uh, relationship-centered life, then it's something we really ought to be giving some serious thought to. So let's say week one of this series, I struggle with your approval mm-hmm. and everybody's approval. Yeah. How can I test that to see if it's really determining how I feel? Okay. If you're struggling with approval, um, then you, you, there's a variety of different things that you want to do, but you want to begin having an attitude change, okay? Uh, because approval is an attitude. You know, and attitudes are incredibly powerful, okay? Uh, so if you have an attitude that I need somebody's approval, then st- start thinking differently, start visualizing differently. Um, but in that process, start kind of analyzing where did this come from? Um, you know, you know, I'm really big on, on personality types and things like that, you know, and certain personality types are more likely to care about other people's attitudes, you know, so we want to start there. Uh, some people have been, uh, grew up in dysfunctional families, uh, and they were not allowed to be who they really are. So they become very concerned about approval because they were trying to fake it without even knowing they were faking it because that was their environment. Uh, but they've not been allowed to express who they truly are. You know, so you start thinking in, in terms of kind of a, in, the, in the existential sense, who am I? Uh, and if you grew up in a dysfunctional family that did not allow you to develop um, by trying things out, by making mistakes, by talking honestly about your emotions, um, then you're going to have to go through some of that. I had really great privilege to sit down with, with Jack uh, when I first got hired on to Kensington. Uh, and we sat and we talked, and he said, tell me about yourself a little bit, and just kind of uh, began to share and talk a little bit. And we, we had talked about just that, that he said he's really into, like, really brain types or personality types. And uh, mine's an ENFP, for those that are in Myers-Briggs or Strength Finders. I'm an extrovert. I like to be around people. I'm intuitive. I'm a feeler. I'm pretty emotional, if you guys... I don't know that. People always bet, like, is he going to cry today on stage? You know, like, uh, there's that. But I'm also this. I'm, um, I'm, I'm an ACOA. ACOA is adult child of an alcoholic. And Jack and I had talked about that. And he said, when's really the first time you discovered this is who you were? Because some of you know that. Maybe some of you don't. But I grew up in a pretty dysfunctional home where alcohol ruled for about 17 years. And uh, the cool thing is now my family and myself, we feel like we're kind of on the other side of that. But that journey was pretty crazy. And like Jack said, I was really adopting and adapting some of these things into my life that I didn't realize I was doing. And um, I had good friends, uh, a place where we used to be called the River Church, just up the street, exit 98, I-75, awesome place. I had friends, Andy and Anita Harless. And uh, she knew a lot about addiction because both of her parents had died of overdoing it on drugs and alcohol before she was even 17. And so the first year when I met them, they gave me a shirt that said, no problem, no problem, no problem. And because uh, I always tell everybody, hey, there's no problem. We can do that. Uh, you know, the money, no problem. We'll figure it out. We don't have uh, transportation, no problem. And we were helping run student ministry. And so they thought it funny. The next year, they brought me a book. And uh, this book, I got a picture of it right here. And it said, recovery. It said, a guide for adult children of alcoholics. And I'm like, hey, guys, you don't have a nice shirt for me? <laughs> Just this book. And uh, it was really jarring when I first saw the book and thought about it. Because I'd never really recognized that I had a problem 
of being kind of an approval addict. See what happens in, in alcoholic homes that uh, my sisters, my older sister really took on uh, the personality type that's kind of in this book uh, where it's like super responsible, over-the-top responsibility. How, how many are sometimes over-the-top responsible? Like too responsible, like you annoy people responsible, right? I'm just kidding. Uh, but you do really. So uh, kidding. I'm being an approval addict. I'm not kidding. You're annoying people. So anyhow, the second one is this rebellious type. My sister, my younger sister kind of adapted this personality for a while. And the third one was being the people pleaser. This is one I struggled with for a lot of years, probably the ages of 11 or 12, all the way up to like, honestly, just a few years ago, like 36, 30, probably 35, 36 and 38 now. Uh, and this was a big deal. And I, I realized as I went through this, Jack's like, this is probably why you always told people no problem. It's like, it's funny to get a shirt like that, but it's kind of telling too. Like it is a problem that you're always wanting everyone's approval. And my, my responsibility in the home when I grew up in this dysfunction was to keep the peace, to appease everyone and to, to do this. And it really got out of control. And coming here to Kensington uh, was a big step for Marie and I. One of my biggest fears wasn't even stepping into the unknown. It was leaving people behind worried what they'd think. It really was, was hard for us, wasn't it, babe? It was hard for a couple months. And then the ironic thing is after a couple months, no, nobody kept calling. They didn't even care. And I'm like, I had realized that I'm spending so much of my time, maybe like you have too, getting affirmation, needing approval from others really didn't matter that much. And I was part of a thing. How many have ever been or even know about what Celebrate Recovery is? Do you know what that is? That was, played a big role in my life. We did a step study. And in that step study, it was one of the hardest but I think greatest journeys that I personally ever took really kind of trying to get at the crux of like, why am I being like this? Why am I being a people pleaser? Why am I, how do I get away from the ACOA, the adult child alcoholic? Because you don't have to forever, by the way, forever be a product of your environment. You can break away. There's a deeper identity. We believe that God's calling you to that he's given you. Okay. And we're going to get into that in a little bit. But I discovered some truths and I discovered something before I could really receive the truest depth of approval I needed, right? That I had to break the cycle I was in. And so that's what we're going to do. The first part of this message, real quick, we're going to talk about kind of the cycle, this approval addiction cycle that all of us can get caught into. And some of you, I think when we talk through it, you're going to go, yep, that's me. Yep, I'm, I'm doing that. And some of you might discover, oh my gosh, I've been struggling with this and didn't realize that's what I'm doing. And so the author, uh, Jack McGee, or Robert McGee, excuse me, wrote a book called The Search for Significance. The Search for Significance. And in this book, he really identifies three patterns that we really have to break out of to get away from. We get caught in this like loop, this addiction cycle loop, looking for approval, striving for approval. And when I was in the Celebrate Recovery group, the step study, it really helped me understand like I've got to break away out of this cycle. And so let's kind of talk through that quickly and, and get to the next part of where do we get our true approval from? But the first thing is breaking uh, the cycle. So number one, it's called the performance trap. The performance trap. This is where in our mind, we begin to think our self-worth, which by the way, self-worth typically comes from the outside, getting self-worth, getting accolades, getting approval, getting affirmation. We're saying uh, that that starts in our mind that that really depends on this, that my performance, in your opinion, performance and people's opinion equals my self-worth. Now, it sounds crazy, but when I was in first grade, I almost got held back because my enunciation of syllables and vowels and all those things wasn't great. It really wasn't. And, uh, and so my mom got me hooked. You ever heard of hooked on phonics? Anybody remember that? My mom got me hooked on phonics. And she's like, you're not going to be held back first grade. But I'm telling you from the first grade, 
that has stuck with me forever. Remember when we used to have answering machines? We don't anymore. If you do, get rid of it, you know. But, but if you had an answering machine, do you remember hating to hear your own voice? Have you ever heard your own voice? And you're like, oh, I hate that. Well, now I've always struggled with that. Like I, I got kicked out of choir because I couldn't sing. And then I tried to go to band and they said, you can't carry a tune. Finally, somebody told me you're tone deaf, you're monotone. And it stuck with me. And even as a communicator today, as a speaker, one thing I worry about once in a while is, do I sound dumb to them? Did that sound too monotone? Did I go up high enough? You know, like, I know this sounds crazy. You're like, that's dumb. I know, but it's a part of this approval addiction thing, right? But this goes a lot further to us in adults too. Like think about when somebody says, what's your name? And then the next thing is, what do you what? What do you do? Where's your value? Where do you work? Hey, where do you live? And they're thinking, what kind of home do you live in? Is it a nice home? Is it in a good neighborhood? Did you pay a lot of money for it? Hey, do you have kids? Do they play sports? Are they any good? Right? We begin, it's like, there's this crazy pressure in our minds. We can form these patterns, this mindset becomes overwhelming. We think my self-worth, right? My value. And that's really, by the way, what we're looking for in approval. Jack talked about this attitude. We get this attitude where it's like, we need this. We need to be validated. And we're going to talk about why we need to be validated in just a minute. But we need this. And the self-worth comes totally hinged in our minds on what you think about me. And hey, what do you, what do you think about me and Marie and our family? And what do, what do you think, right, about us? And, and we start doing this in so many different ways. And it's interesting. Scripture tries to give us a way out of this, right? Because again, we're trying to break this cycle. It says in First Peter, your beauty should not come from outward adornment. It's like self-worth, God's saying, is it from the outside? Such as braided hair and the wearing of gold jewelry and fine clothes. Instead, it should be that of your inner self, an unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is of great worth in God's sight. This first thing, this first pattern, this cycle, Robert McGee says, starts in your brain. You've done this. You've got tapes at play, right? You walk into in your room and you don't even realize you're doing it, but you're like, do I fit in? Are they going to think this, this clothing looks good? Is he going to think, I, do I look pretty enough? You walk, guys, you walk in the room and alpha male comes out. Am I the strongest one or am I, am I better than my coworker? And this begins to posture us. And what happens, um, Robert McGee says, that we move from our mind, our thoughts, It moves us to action. See, the next part of this is the approval addiction. This is the pattern of our actions. I must now constantly, listen to this, constantly receive affirmation from others to continually feel good about myself. This is where we've now taken our self-worth, which God's saying self-value and self-respect comes from the inside, but we're like, no, we're on this cycle. Self-worth comes from the outside. We thought about it. Now we're going to begin to take actions toward it. I can remember desiring so badly to fit in, man, when I was 12 years old, fit in with the crew. And I went to a private school. Our parents could barely afford to get us there. And it was right in the middle of this chaos in my home. And everybody had these amazing Air Nikes, Air Nike this, Air Nike that. And I told my mom, I really need air. I need air. I need this kind of shoe. So she came home and I saw the box said air. I'm like, this is awesome, you know, and and it was so great. And then I I kept it in the box because all the kids kept the shoes in their box, right? And I remember getting there. And so I, man, I took action. I bugged my mom to get the shoes. She got them. I brought them there. I set them on the table. Everybody opened up their shoes and they were like, air this, air Jordans. And I'm like, I pulled them out. And I was like devastated. I looked down and my mom bought me shoes that said Air Franklins. And I'm like, everybody goes, oh man, dude, Roy's got Aretha Franklin shoes, right? And I was just like, 
just petrified. I'm like, no. Because I desperately, you already want everyone's approval in your middle school to begin with. This was like amplified for me. And it just got like totally carried away. I mean, and it really, I'm telling you what, I'm telling you, for me, it led down a really bad path. Like I tried to fit in when I broke my leg playing basketball in the summertime. And my buddies kept playing, and, and I, I hung out with this guy named Adam, and he talked me into shoplifting because I wanted to fit in. I shoplifted vodka for Meyer and did it once. I did it twice and got caught and put in jail. I know, you're thinking, this guy's an incredible guy. He did that? <laughs> yeah, I totally did that. I dated people I didn't want to date, but I wanted to fit in. I, I made stupid decisions. I mean, so much going through this. Because my self-worth was like, if everybody loves me and everybody likes me, I got value. And when I dropped the ball and I didn't get their approval, I felt like that was a failure. And this happens all the time. Marie and I, she was telling me, it was, it was a while ago, but just talking about on Facebook, sometimes we were having a bad day and somebody put on Facebook like, laundry done, check. You know what I mean? Like uh, groceries done, check. Kids all dressed, check. You know, cl- clothes reorganized, check. House deep clean, check. Chloride, it's like going on, check, check, check. And we're like, we don't care about your checklist, right? We're like, well, our kids are clean, check. Our laundry's never been done on time, check. You know what I mean, right? Our bills aren't paid just yet, check. We're fighting right now, check. <laughs> Sorry, I'm just trying to be honest here. I don't care if I have your approval right now on that one or not. It goes so deep and we're like, or I remember the first time Ray did, who, who does click list in here? Maybe I'm going to start a war because there's a battle between click list or going into the grocery store now. And we put it on there and Marie got this big message of how you shouldn't do click list. And we're like, whatever. We're like, we can't live in this place of needing everyone's approval. It goes deeper. I was talking uh, to actually the, the, the individual that wrote and produced song earlier. And she was just giving me some just thoughts about this, what was going on in her heart too. When we do this, like we respond inappropriately at times. We have anger. When we're always trying to get someone's approval, we have frustration, passivity. We have bitterness, jealousy. Think about this, gossip. Coming from a place of deep insecurity is really, we're going to get to, that's what we're talking about. And for some of us, we're, we're just, we're driven. We're always trying to get the approval. And for others, we withdraw. You withdraw, you become passive aggressive. I don't want to do that, that's stupid. No, it's not for me. Matt, forget this, Whatever. Right? We withdraw, we recluse. Why? Because we fear. Listen, you fear rejection. You want approval so bad and you fear this rejection. It's like, gosh. And here's the dangerous part of this. Here's the dangerous part of this. That it leads us to this place where in our mind we're like, we need approval. We're longing for affirmation. We're longing for this. We really are. Even I'm telling you, some of the toughest guys I've ever seen to walk in there look like John Wayne made over and they're strong and they're in deep inside like a little boy longing for approval. And then they take these actions in your life. You've been doing things to wear the right clothes, to have the right, we're going to talk about this in week three, have the right body, right? There are sometimes we've turned to addictions and we hide it to cope with this lack of approval in our life. And it leads to this third part that Robert McGee says, this blame and shame game. See, what's that? See, remember our self-worth? We talked about our mind and our actions. We attached it. If our self-worth is attached to what you all think of me, right? And then my actions are trying to get you to think better of me. And the minute I drop the ball on that or I don't get your approval, I feel like, boy, some of you are like this. You blame yourself. You you kick yourself. You're mad. You guys, you've hit the wall. You've, ladies, you, you find yourself depressed. You've hurt this lack of approval. And then it leads to this because then we can't even... We can't even stomach the idea that 
we've failed. We've let our self-worth down because we need self-worth. You need self-worth, by the way. You need it to have self-value. You're longing for this. So what do you do? You blame others. In a relationship, say, this isn't my fault. We're arguing all the time. It's yours. At work, it wasn't mine, man. Jim, Jim, he was on the prod. He dropped the ball. Telling your boss that, right? Your kids are crazy and they're out of control, right? But you're the parent, by the way, and you're blaming them. Or maybe your, your kids are blaming you about something. And we're all like shifting blame. It's called, in psychology terms, projection. And then eventually from the blame, it leads us to this shame. We find ourselves in the middle of feeling just, just shame, like disappointment. We've let ourselves down. We've let others down. And you can get caught in depression. You feel disgusted with yourself and you feel disappointed you feel just a wreck. And it's like, what do we do? How do we do this? And we begin to think, we start the cycle over. Well, if I perform a little more, if I get, if I get their approval, if I live here, if I wear this, if I, if I do this, if I fit in, right? And it's like, no, because that's only going to lead to the actions to get more approval. That's going to eventually, inevitably, let others down in you too. And then you're going to feel blame. And then she, and it's going to go over and over. And it's a loop. It's a crazy cycle. And you got to get out of it. We got to get out of it. And for me, in the step study, it was like, what do I do? And I want to give you two truths. Here's what I did. Here's what it pointed me to. Truth number one, everyone. Truth number one, everyone needs approval from the right source. See, we're convinced this longing, this desire you have in your heart, it got hardwired in there from God. I'm telling you, wherever you stand, some of you may believe it. Some of you are like, I don't know. But listen, how has this approval cycle been serving you? This longing for this. And we believe that God designed you, me, every man, woman, child, anyone to ever walk the planet earth to be loved, to be valued, to be cared for. We need this desperately. See, you're passionate about this because this, it, it dictates and determines the outcome of many of your lives. So that's why I'm like so passionate about it because it, it was dictating and determining my pathway and my outcome until it began to shift. Even when someone says, like to get approval. And someone said, and I do, I actually like your sweater. It looks nice. And uh, I know she's got a nice sweater, doesn't she? And then you got a nice sweater too. It's kind of same color gray. And you know, I, I, I like your pink shirt there. And like, we begin to say this and you know what happens? Dopamine's release. Science has even affirmed this. God's wired us to even like feel good about getting approval. But see, we've misplaced this approval and that crazy cycle that we had to break. It was never meant to be from others. It was always meant to be, listen, from God. It was always meant to come from him. Listen to this, what Proverbs says, written predominantly by Solomon, the wisest individual to have ever lived, who had everything you could have needed. He had the approval of men, of women, of countries, of nations, of power, of military, of anything you could imagine. He had, it was never enough. He said, you know what the heart desires. What a person desires is unfailing love. That can only come from God. See, it brings us to truth number two. It brings us to truth number two. The statement. And I want you to think about this statement. The one who designed you is the only one who has the power to define you. The one who designed you is the only one who has the power to define you. Can I just share, Donnie, I don't know if you can, I know you have to backtrack. Can you pull up 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 7? It's one of the most famous scriptures that is read at weddings often. People know it's the love chapter. But we want to exchange the word love for God in this. Because, because love, John says, is really equated at its essence, is God. God is love. The stuff that God's made of is love. 
and it's the one thing we need is unfailing love, then where would we find it? Well, from the one that's made out of it. Imagine if we exchange the word love for God because it's the same. God is patient. Imagine if this is the person that you're looking for approval from. God is patient. God is kind. He does not envy. He does not boast. And he is not proud. God is not rude. And he is not self-seeking. He is not easily angered. He keeps, I love this, no record of wrongs. God does not gloat over my sins, but is glad when truth prevails. God will always protect, always trust, always hope, and always persevere. God never fails, ever. This is what's so amazing about God. Never fails. I love this for me in my life. It's changed everything for me. I'm not that I can't sneak back into this approval addiction that I grew up in, but but God was calling me out of saying, yeah, you might have grown up as an adult child of an alcoholic, but you were really an ENFP. You're meant to be an extrovert, intuitive, all that kind of stuff. That's who I wired you to be, to be with people, love, to do all that. But I keep, if I slip back here, it's like, what do I do? I want to, I wanted to share just a quick narrative with you, a story from scripture, a guy named Zacchaeus. And it's in Luke 19 and Luke captures, he was in this crazy cycle. He was really there. And the story of him is interesting because he was a tax collector. And so he was born of Jewish custom and nobody really like liked him from his own Jewish people because he was collecting taxes from them. So he's kind of hated. He didn't really like, it was rejected by his own people. And then he was with the Romans too. He worked for him and he never really fit in there either. And he was striving for approval. And so when I read this, this is really like this intersection where Jesus meets him. So Jesus entered Jericho was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus, the chief tax collector, and was wealthy. Isn't it interesting? He had so much wealth, but had no approval. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. Mark number two, he felt like he was never good enough, never tall enough, never strong enough, never good looking enough. Even though he had money, he just felt like it was never enough. So he ran ahead and climbed the sycamore fig tree to see him. He's taking this mindset and going through this approval addiction. He's doing something crazy, like climbing a tree in the middle of a crowd. Are you kidding? But he's desperate since Jesus was coming that way. And when Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. And all the people saw this and began to mutter and said, he has gone to be the guest of this sinner, this person. Maybe some of you have thought this, like, what would God ever want to do with me? God really would want to approve me and value me. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, here I am now. I'll give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I've cheated anybody out of anything, I'll pay him back four times the amount. It's like, don't be a people pleaser, Zacchaeus. It doesn't matter. Jesus says this to him. Today, he looks at him. Salvation has come to this house because this man too is the son of Abraham. He's referring, Jesus is saying, I'm trying to rebuild you back into this family. You're longing for identity, Zacchaeus. You're longing to fit in. Our longing to fit in. Our longing to be approved. Jesus is saying, I want to bring you back into the fold. Bring you back into the family. For the Son of Man, he says his mission, came to seek and to save that which was lost. We're seeking approval, all of us. Validation, affirmation. And it's in our souls. It's right here. We can't ignore it. And as we're seeking it, here's this ironic, amazing, divine thing. Jesus is seeking you. He wants to approve you. He wants to validate you. He wants to speak life into your marriage. He wants to speak life into you. He wants to speak life into you as a young adult or a student into your kid. Like, he wants to do that. And he's the only one 
that can bring that kind of approval into our life. He can. It's amazing that we can talk about this, but we want to show you a picture of this approval that only God can bring that radically transforms lives. As we do this, I want to invite our ushers to come forward uh, to take our offering as we get ready to show you a video of a lady named Judy Stoll. What's incredible about this video is I want to tell you too about even this moment offering is that because of your generosity, many of you give generously and you give to this place, you allow people's lives to be transformed. You really do. Young kids' lives to be transformed. Marriages to be transformed. Young adults to be transformed. And even Judy, her life, which is part of our Kensington community as a whole, her life to be transformed. And as you watch, I want you to listen and pay attention. She was struggling, caught in this performance trap caught in the approval addiction, felt shame and guilt so deep that I'm even convinced some of you may feel now. And she has an intersection like Zacchaeus does with Jesus and everything radically begins to change in her life. When I was young, I, I loved my mom. She was, a, she was just a gorgeous, really talented person, just beautiful. She didn't have any self-worth. She wasn't a Christian and um, had already been left from one husband. This was her second marriage. And um, I think she knew my dad was having affairs, and uh, she just did whatever it took. She was a June Cleaver during the day and a Marilyn Monroe at night. I watched that in her life, and I thought, well, if it worked for her, um, I guess the whole time I was, until I got married, I just thought that's what I would have to do. Eventually, I started getting interested in boys. I started dressing kind of seductively, and I didn't think I could get approval just for who I was. When I was 15, Johnny um, came into my life, he was uh, everything I ever wanted. I knew the minute I met him that I would never let him go. It wasn't even six months. We were having um, sex. And a lot of times, if he would want to take me home early or anything, um, that's, how I, that's how I would keep him. One night I came home after being out late in Johnny's car, and my father was up, he had been drinking, and he called me a slut. I guess if, I, I thought that if anybody could spot one, he could, because of the way his life was. And uh, I never got his approval, I guess. Or maybe I did. I don't know. I thought, maybe I thought women were supposed to be like that. And that that's all they were good for. Because that's the way you treated my mom. And um, that's the picture I had of myself. Eventually, Johnny and I did get married. I remember Johnny um, always saying to me, um, all I want from you is I want you to look good, smell good, and take care of the children. That's all I ever thought about was 
uh, how I looked and if he would even come home for lunch and I didn't have my makeup on or my lipstick on or something, he would say, are you sick? Don't you feel good? I couldn't really be myself. I could never be myself. I always had to wear a, uh, a mask. I didn't feel like I, I could ever just be who I was. I found a Playboy magazine under the mattress. Um, I got really mad, very angry. I felt very rejected, and I knew I had competition. One night, he, I had had a candlelight dinner all set for him. Um, the kids were tucked in bed, and he called and said he wouldn't be home because he had some other things that he had to do. By the time he got home, I was so angry. I went out, and I had an affair. Um, just a one-time affair. I couldn't believe that I had done that. I, was, I came home and I told him, um, hoping that he would show some kind of concern, but he didn't. He just he let me know that he really didn't care. About three months later, I found out I was pregnant, and then we were really scared. Uh, I knew that it wasn't my husband's baby. I went and had an abortion. And uh, one of the reasons I had the abortion was so that nobody would know what I did, that I had been unfaithful. I wanted to hide it. I didn't want my children ever to know that I wasn't the perfect mother, um, a perfect wife. I decided one night that I couldn't live with myself anymore for what I'd done. So I was standing in the bathroom and considering taking my life in the phone ring at three in the morning. It was my twin sister. What she told me was that an angel woke her up and said to call me because I was in trouble. So I remember hanging up the phone, going in my living room and praying to God, if you're real, please show me. So three weeks later, we went to a Billy Graham crusade. It was like he knew my story. There were 75,000 people there. And the first scripture he quoted was about the adulterous woman. And I remember him saying that Isaiah 118 said that as even though your sins are red as scarlet, that he would wash you as white as wool, that he would forgive you. It was news I never knew. I had no idea that God was like that. I thought God was like my dad, that he was um, angry all the time, and I should be scared of him. I went to the altar and asked Jesus into my heart, because that's what I wanted. I wanted forgiveness. I wanted to, he said I could be made brand new. I remember going home, and I saw myself as a completely different person. I was just totally free to be who I wanted to be. And it wouldn't matter who got mad at me if I, <laughs> if I didn't, you know, act the way they wanted me to act. All that mattered is that what God thought of me, even though I knew mercy and grace from God, I still didn't have that mercy and grace for Johnny. I put a lot of blame on him for my actions. He visited a church that I was attending. And um, again, the evangelist was preaching his story and he got saved. I saw a change in Johnny that was incredible. 
After the Billy Graham crusade, I found out that I was pregnant. I just couldn't believe that God would allow me, would trust me to be a mom again after what I'd done, that he would really trust me. So for the next nine months, I was scared to death. So the day came when I went to the hospital and delivered the baby. And the nurses and the doctors kept looking at me saying, Judy, look at your baby. He's just a beautiful baby boy. And I didn't want to look because of that fear of punishment. And I finally looked at my child, John Dempsey Stoll. And that's when I really saw mercy and grace. I couldn't believe it, that God would give me this beautiful baby. He gave me beauty for ashes. I just um, thank God every day. I, uh, I don't think there's really words for the power of that story, do you? The shame and the guilt, she said at the end, was trying to almost creep in again as it does in some of our lives. But God gave her something different. Beauty for ashes, she said. Mark and I were just realizing in this moment that there are people in here that you need to know how loved you are. I was just talking with Jordan backstage and we're talking about our relationship that we've known each other for a while and in a lot of big ways Mark knows many of my struggles and has affirmed me and validated me in really powerful ways hmm. you've reminded me of my value that I have in God's eyes above all things hmm. and it's been life changing hmm. I'm convinced that many of us here need to know that yeah wasn't, wasn't that a powerful story oh my gosh uh, I saw it for the first time in the first service today, and one of the things that was so powerful for me, uh, Jordan, you know John well, right? When she said, I didn't even know that was John's mom, I didn't put it together, and she said, John Dempsey stole. I was like, oh my gosh, I know him. He's a wonderful young man, uh, but just to see the grace of God and that she was so amazed and never expected, and we just wanted to come up at, at the end and say, Boy, if there's any hang-up across the board that people struggle with, I bet you this is at the top of the list for a lot of us, isn't it? And for, we're talking about 2018. It's a new year. And uh, I just, I'm hoping that you will take the step of, like Jeremiah, which you uh, modeled well this morning, showing us of being honest and admitting that it's there. Being real. Just... For a lot of you, you may have been denying this or unaware of it for decades. And we're really praying that today may be the day where you're like, that's that's me. That's me. And get real with yourself. And then, right, just the beautiful message that Jeremiah preached that that every one of us is hardwired for acceptance and approval. We're hardwired that because God wired us that way so that we could have that approval and connection to him that's why he made us that way because he had designed and determined from the beginning of time to have that with you personally um jordan's gonna sing this song and um this is an issue that you've wrestled with in your life and she's gonna talk share with you in just a minute just about how god kind of gave her almost like a vision of to help her identify this but as she does, I, and as we listen to these next couple yes. songs, what, what I want to encourage you to do is to realize that God is seeking after you. 
Yeah, yes. This is this is not a Kensington thing. This is a you, his his the the love of his heart. You, the love of his heart, him reaching to you, wanting you to feel completely accepted, unconditionally loved and free. That's what he's offering to every one of you in this place, right? So yeah, Jordan, man, lead us and just share a little bit about what he's been doing in, in your heart on this too. was practicing these uh, songs this week and um, uh, this uh, last April I I felt like the Lord gave me this picture because the seeking approval uh, feeling um, always feeling unworthy um, was just my entire life and I felt like uh, at one point the Lord gave me this vision of you know all these stacks of paper that were 10 20 feet high just tons of them all around me and I like I don't even know what these are and he showed me that they were the list I've kept my entire life um all the ways that I've ever tried to seek anyone's approval all the times when I felt unworthy where I was in my mind thinking why couldn't I be like this why can't I do it this way um trying to be someone that I'm actually not (laughs) and um And then he took all of those huge stacks of paper and he absorbed them into himself and, um, and said, you're okay. And you've always been enough. And I just hope that as we do this next song, as, um, you hear the words about, about the Lord, you know, it talks about when he stands and when he speaks and when he breathes, that ultimately when we let him absorb all of our own unworthiness and um, all of our efforts to, to seek approval from other people, that he takes those and then he breathes life and identity into us. So um, I just pray for you in this these next couple minutes that... Um, you would take that time, take your lists, and let him have them. As you stand, I feel the floor of heaven tremble. Fall to my knees, you're the one who pulls me up. Oh. 
frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place. When I was woven together in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. How precious to me are your thoughts, God. How vast is the sum of them. Were I to count them, they would outnumber the grains of sand. And when I awake, I am still with you. In fact, we want to invite you to worship with us now. If you'd stand with us. We wanted to take a moment to remind you this may be your day where you need to be reminded how loved you are. The creator of the universe loves you. He validates you. He affirms you. He approves you. Mark and I, last service, we just invited people and some came. We want to do the same, send the same courtesy to this, that we're going to be down here. Whatever's going on in your life, wherever you are, we'd love to pray with you, to hear what's happening, to be an encouragement to you. This may be your moment. As Jordan Hayden lead us in this final song, don't be afraid to step forward and say, God, no more in this approval track. You approve me. You speak into my life. You speak into my soul. God, may you bless this next moment as we close in worship, that you give encouragement to hearts and souls in here now, that you hear the one that authors our approval. You affirm us. You love us. May you work in this moment. Amen. Oh, and I've heard a thousand. 
in stories of what they think you're like, but I heard the tender whisper of love in the dead of night, and you tell me that you're pleasing that I never alone you're a good good father it's who you are it's who you are it's who you are and I'm loved by you it's who I am it's who I am it's who I am
God, we, I thank you so much for loving us, for every incredible man and woman, child and student, young adult, college age. God, that you love them more than anything we could ever fathom. And that love has the ability and divine right to change us for the better. Thank you for loving us that way. May we have the courage to invite you into our lives, God. Thank you for what you've done in this place today. Thank you for our people in your name. Amen. Love you. Hey, we invite you back. Week two, we talk about the bottles. We continue to press into the things we can't say no to. We look to God for the power to be able to say no to him. And yes, the better things. God bless you. We love you. Have a great day.